this is not going to go the way you think. You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. A ship. A cup. A ship. A speeder. Hmm. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you. We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm-hmm. Afraid to lose her, I think. Mm-hmm. What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. much fear in you. Hi everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rant. My name is Carlos Perone and today we got a very different type of episode. In a way it is a continuation, a follow-up to the toxic fandom segment that we did uh, a number of weeks ago but this time around we're going to focus on a number of things that kind of seem to bring this whole thing home on the last jedi a movie that you guys know i'm not a big fan of there was a line by luke that says this is not gonna go the way you think and i don't think there could be any more appropriate line that will describe this episode What we're going to be dealing with today is how toxic fandom, the concept of toxic fandom, has permeated genre entertainment, specifically Star Wars. But before we get to that specific point, a point that we started examining a few weeks ago, we are going to look at personal examples of what I'm talking about, of how this kind of phenomenon has certain roots based on very regular conversations that you might be having with your friends, uh, that I've had with my friends, we see examples of this in the media, in very you know high-profile situations in Hollywood, in some not-so-high-profile situations, and in some what would be considered to be very low-profile situations. Unfortunately, the low-profile situations bring it home, in my particular case, to some of the podcasts that we listen to. And not only are we dealing with toxic fandom from random people that are scattered, you know, on the internet, but very well organized and podcasting shows that some of you might be following, including myself. And that show I'm talking about is Rebel Force Radio. 
Now, let me warn you ahead of time. There is going to be a very graphic language used at a certain point when I play certain sound bites. So you might not want to have kids listening to this. It's brief, but it's graphic. Also, because of the nature of the root of the problem here, this show will get political. Not because I just randomly feel like talking about politics. It's because the root of the problem here is rooted in politics and socioeconomic topics and the general political climate that we're under right now. I suggest that if you are easily offended by political talk, if you don't like to hear political talk on a genre show, you might not want to listen to this particular episode. Hell, you might not want to listen to me after I'm done with the show if you do decide to listen to anyway. Like I said before, I try not to go into the political route when it comes to these type of episodes that I do on most of my episodes. However, this particular subject is rooted in politics, and unfortunately, we're going to have to get into the muck of it and by the time the show is over you might have to unfortunately make some decisions regarding what shows you listen to and not listen to so let's get started we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Thank you, Bob. It's Mort. Mort, yes. I am Ted Baxter, and here is the news. Today I want to do a little bit of a follow-up on a previous subject we discussed couple of episodes ago and that is toxic fandom this is a part two if you will of that previous conversation we were having what i want to do here is i want to kind of dig a little deep into situations with individuals or with shows with entertainment we enjoy and then which all of a sudden we learn some information that challenges our opinion of whether or not to continue listening or enjoying or even talking to certain people. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about when it comes to -to day-to-day things and how these things are kind of interconnected. I had friends in the past where we had many, many things in common. Just like it was, let's say, for example, uh, during my college days, where you had a group of people who would kind of gravitate towards each other due to college-related things. In my particular case, for example, a very large group of us were all part of a television club. But what that means is that, you know, we were all going to college, we were all more or less majoring in the same subject. We were taking the same courses, we were working in the television center, you know, as a part-time student job. So, we're kind of running into each other in different forms, in class, at school work, and we were also members of the television club. And that's a third way we were all getting together. So because of that, you have a whole bunch of people, and I don't want to say like-minded individuals. I I would say it's more of a interest 
our interests were like-minded. In other words, we were all into a specific subject that we were trying to learn or get into professionally. And we also happened to run into a lot of people that were into television and and film, you know, and musical related things that kind of mesh together because there were interests. All of a sudden, you're bumping into these people. You're not dealing with uh, things that are so different. You know, it's this isn't the stamp club. This isn't the pharmacy club, people that are into pharmacy. You know, you're, you're talking about people that are into the more or less the arts, the, the, the visual arts, uh, television and, and, and film and that sort of thing. And through those connections, through those meetings, friendships develop and the basis for those friendships become your school experiences and specifically the even tighter ones, the ones that you're more connected to, at least for my particular case, I mean, obviously everybody's situation is different, had to do with our specific interests. And with me, obviously, it was all my genre stuff. It was all my television and film and all these obscure things and Star Wars and Star Trek and, you know, all this crazy stuff that I love to this day. And that was the connecting tissue between me and most of these other people. Now, what ends up happening through the process is that you kind of start to find out that a lot of these people, just like myself to other people, we have varying, very varying thoughts on other stuff. For example, we might have different religious points of view. We have different political points of view. But the thing that kind of kept these groups together, you know, the glue was our college experiences and our genre interests because there was always something to talk about. And more or less, I would say, just like you do with your own family, hopefully in Thanksgiving, is you don't get into political or religious conversations unless you guys are all unified, perfectly straight in how you view the world. I would imagine most families are not. Most families, you have somebody or you have a half or a certain big chunk of the family that does not go along with the views of the other half. But I imagine that as a courtesy to everybody, to the general, general group, let's say, we would mostly stay away from those kind of conversations just to avoid issues. But we would go way, 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 you know, up to our necks in genre stuff, because that was, again, our thing that you know, we all kind of had in common our interests in, you know, these particular form of arts, if you will. And as those friendships developed, you then start to, little by little, scratch the surface at, well, what do people really think? And sooner or later, even with something like genre topics, your personal beliefs, your social, economic, racial political, religious, whatever, all that stuff eventually will find its way into how your friends are. And this is something that I've learned the hard way with individuals throughout the years. Let me give you an example. Something as silly as talking about, let's say, James Bond movies or Marvel movies or Star Wars. It is with certain people, it was a certain there was a certain amount of information that you could exchange, but then you would start to notice these little twinges of something else being thrown in the conversation. 
For example, let me give you James Bond. For the longest time, you know, James Bond keeps exchanging hands left and right in terms of how many actors have played him. And after a, usually a pretty long run, they end up switching to another actor and blah, blah, blah. This happens since the beginning. Well, for a while, when it comes to who is the next batch of potential candidates, one of the names thrown around is Idris Elba. And it's happened very recently. Once again, his name was thrown around and it doesn't look like it's going to be him. But from certain people that I'm familiar with, I kept hearing the argument about not having him. And it was a similar argument that I would hear about Spider-Man or any other superheroes. The possibility at one point was thrown around of making Spider-Man a black actor, a black young actor. To, you know, in one of its many reboots. I mean, I've already seen personally, I'm, I'm not even counting the, the 70s, but I've already seen three different actors playing Spider-Man now. And two Spider-Mans ago, the possibility of having a black actor playing that character was being thrown around. Again, it didn't happen. They're about to put out an animated film with a black character playing Spider-Man. But that's a whole other story. But I've already had from multiple people tell me that, for example, if they were to do that, that would be kind of like the end of their interest in that particular character, even though up to this date, they are, you know, they love the franchises, these two franchises. And their explanation is usually, well, you know, he's always has to be, in Spider-Man's case, it has to be a white kid from Queens, you know, a high school student, but he has to be white. And it's really difficult to, to kind of start to have that argument because you really don't want to have that argument. And granted, in the same way that they are projecting their racial preferences, or you might even say their racial biases, I'm projecting my own by saying the opposite. I'm like, well, why? This is a character that's been rebooted so many times. He's been played by many different actors. Where's the harm in making him different? He can still be a student. He can still be from Queens. He can still be, you know, a little naive. You know, you could have all that stuff. But what is it about him looking a little different that throws, you know, everything out the window? Well, again, the same argument by a different person was presented to me about James Bond. James Bond has to be a British white guy, you know. He has to be clean cut, you know. You can't have a black guy doing it. I'm like, we have a black guy here. He is British. He has the accent. He is a leading man, you know, handsome individual. What's the problem? And it's kind of like, I assume it's, it's, it seems to me like it, it's, it's kind of like trying to put a, a round peg into a square hole. Those two things do not compute to certain people. It's not what the character looks like. It's how the character acts and behaves and portrays the character. But again, those are conversations that potentially could lead to disaster in terms of, you know, butting heads on a subject like that. And then a similar situation happened and basically seemed to have exploded a couple of years ago when the whole Star Wars Force Awakens trailer premiered. And then you had the addition of not only a black guy, but a female, a woman, a white woman, people having a similar reaction. And once again, it was the, how could you mess with the aesthetic, not the intent, 
the aesthetic of Star Wars by introducing these characters as leads and, and people getting, you know, bent out of shape about that. And that whole thing led to what I talked about on my previous episode. But what happens when you are having friendly gatherings and every now and then somebody will make a kind of an, an, an off-color remark, a racially charged statement. A lot of times it gets dismissed as a joke. But I think that little by little, you're starting to kind of scratch the surface in an individual and you're starting to know what they're all about. And that's when you have to make that decision of, do I scratch a little further or do I back off and and try to stay below this line that we kind of all unofficially agree not to cross? We're not going to get into religious conversations. We're not going to get into political conversations. We're not going to talk about race or social economics or that kind of thing. But I've found in my life that a lot of people, a lot of people, not only so-called friends, but people in my extended family who the things that kind of come out of their mouth, you know, you try to kind of make excuses for in terms of trying to say, well, you know, they're from a different generation or they're older or they're this or they're that. And it is just blatant how... They have a really, really different point of view when it comes to race and religion and society and economics in general. I may add that one particular phenomenon that might be unique to my situation is that I have in the past have been in situations where because I do not look what stereotypically a Hispanic person looks like, uh, I found that sometimes people feel comfortable opening up to me and talking to me about certain things that, as far as I'm concerned, they're kind of crossing the line and they're insulting me and they don't realize they're insulting me because they think I'm one of the team. Again, it's it all has to do with looks, stereotypes, and that sort of thing. And that is also different amongst other groups where because they are capable or able to relate to you and communicate with you and be friendly with you, you are kind of labeled as one of the good ones, where in reality, you don't want to even be associated with anybody, you know, of that manner. Now, granted, you can walk around just cutting people out of your life, left and right. You can just, you know, say, all right, this guy, he's got, I've heard one too many little off-color jokes or statements or things. And, you know, that's it. I'm done with this person. Uh, and, 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 you, and you can do that. You can go, go, you can go around kind of cutting people out. It's a lot more difficult with extended families and that sort of thing, or even your own family, for Christ's sake, if you have, uh, God forbid, somebody in your own family. So that's much more difficult to do, obviously, with, with family members. But even then, even with friends, you know, they would have to really, I would imagine, go on some kind of major tirade for you to completely cut them out. And I haven't. In the past, I have not done that. I have kind of looked away or ignored or let it be kind of chalked off to a joke. And a lot of people like to do that. I've noticed a lot of people like to say, well, this was a joke. I'm just kidding. You know, can't you take a joke? Come on, this is our kind of humor. And and believe me, I, I, I've been guilty of that too in terms of 
there's a certain tone that you might have amongst a closed group of friends. And you might be able to tell jokes amongst your group, amongst a close group that you would never tell in a, in a bigger group. Uh, so, you know, I understand that. But there is definitely a difference between the joke and where it starts to kind of come into your life completely. And there's also certain things that are generational. I know people, older people, that still refer to African Americans as colored. And every time I hear it, I, you know, it kind of, I feel horrible. I feel like, oh my God, what are they saying? And I don't really know if it's offensive, that offensive. Obviously, if you, you can take it to the extreme and refer to a black individual, you know, with the N-word, that is definitely still a, a horrific thing to say to somebody, especially if you're not even of that particular race and you are just kind of throwing it out there and not even using it as a educational kind of example of, hey, this is a certain word you shouldn't say, blah, 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 that kind of thing. But you know, to kind of still be stuck in the colored uh, word means that you completely bypassed not only the most current word that is used, but you might have bypassed another couple of other ones. At one point, I thought it was considered to be black. And I'm kind of still a little bit stuck in the black word because I think I kind of grew up with the word black. I know later on it became African-American. Can I understand that? And I kind of throw that in there as much as possible as a courtesy, because I'm trying to be respectful. But you kind of get stuck sometimes with things. And the other thing that I, that, you know, another word that's relatively thrown around, that used to be more thrown around, and you could see it. You could see it in movies. You could see it in television even. The word gay used to be used differently. There were times where people, or even the word retarded or retard, these are words that in the past, they were really, if you think about it, they were a slur. You might be wanting to make fun of a friend, again, mostly in close groups, not in public, and you might say, what are you, gay or something? And it's a put-down. It was meant to be a put-down during that time. Nowadays, I think you have a better understanding of what the LGBT community is all about, and you kind of don't, I mean, I personally don't see it that way anymore. I wouldn't use it in a phrase like that. And I remember being around friends that would use it in that manner. But now it kind of seems to me like, no, that's, that's almost like, kind of see it as an insult almost to phrase it in that way. Another example that I mentioned earlier is the word retarded. I remember there was an incident a while back, a long time ago in a place I used to work where an individual, a friend of mine, came up to me and was describing something that happened to him or a situation that was very frustrating to him. And in a kind of in a public environment, he mentioned something about how this was so retarded. And there was a lady standing by, another co-worker, not, not as close, you know, friendly-wise with, with myself as this guy that was mentioning that. And she approached us and directly addressed uh, this individual and said, you know, could you please not refer to that in that manner? And he said, and he, and he was confused in terms of, well, what do you mean? I, I, I didn't say anything about, you know, I wasn't talking about you or anything. And she said, well, you see, I, I have a daughter that is mentally challenged. And by you saying that, you are hurting my feelings. You are indirectly insulting my daughter when you correlate something negative 
with the condition that my daughter has. And it was a very awkward situation because I could kind of see it from both ends. Like he wasn't meaning to be offensive and she was honestly hurt, but he didn't understand. He didn't make that connection or at least he wasn't making that connection. You know, when words that you take for granted and words that you use to create a certain effect, even if it's not meant to be a derogatory term, it becomes that. After that, I couldn't even think of using something like that, you know, in that fashion, because it was like, wow, that's, you know, that makes kind of sense. You are doing the same thing that you were doing with the word gay, for example, where you're giving it a negative connotation and making it a bad thing just to make your point about something completely different and how those you know, interconnected definitions or words, you know, hurt somebody's feelings. So, you know, that kind of thing continues to happen with other words these days, obviously. But my point is that many of us might have people that are still kind of stuck in those modes and they are not seem to be growing out of those modes. And what do you do? Well, again, because you're into all this genre stuff and because you want to conserve these friendships and these connections... You look the other way. You chalk it off as, you know, he's got a weird sense of humor or he's got a stronger, different sense of humor. There is no growth with that individual when it comes to sensitivity in terms of, again, racial, socioeconomics, you know, sexual, whatever, you know, all these things. They just, there seems to be no growth in the individual. Now, granted, a lot of that lack of growth could be traced back to the particular politics. If you are of a certain political view, no change, being stuck with whatever it is that your parents taught you or or you learned on your own, that's where everything stops. Everything shouldn't change. Nothing should change. Everything should stop right there. There is no growth. There is no learning. So that's a possibility. I don't know. So this is just the example that I'm telling you about right now of how this particular subject that I'm talking about affects me and might even affect you on a personal level. Now, let's bring it over to genre material and especially the fan community. And what I'm specifically talking about here is the disappointments you could say we sometimes feel when we have media personalities, people we admire, you know, high profile people that completely do something so outrageous that it could and sometimes does end their career or puts their career off track for a while. And by that, I'm talking about your super high end cases. You know, your, uh, you know, currently we had a Bill Cosby case, sexual abuse, sexual allegations. And a lot of times it either involves drugs or either sexual harassment or any sort of sordid sex uh, scandal. It could involve violence. It could involve alcohol, DWIs, that sort of thing. So, you know, that's a very noticeable stuff. That's the kind of stuff that makes the news and headlines, you know, your, your very high profile stuff. And that's sometimes, depending on the situation, uh, will turn people off to certain entertainers. And sometimes it won't. Sometimes it might just be allegations. It might not be an outright, 
you know, court case that ends in somebody going to jail, something as obvious as that. You look at somebody like Woody Allen, you know, he still continues to make films, uh, even though there have been allegations against him about, you know, the stuff that was going on with his uh, adopted daughter and his ex-wife and a whole bunch of weird stuff like that. You look at somebody like Mel Gibson, who went on some crazy, crazy alcohol-fueled racist rants, uh, which kind of stopped his career for a number of years, and now he's starting to make a comeback again. Comedians sometimes go through that. Louis C.K. a while back, again, this is a sexual harassment-related uh, accusations and admissions, which kind of put his career off to the side, and I, I think he's trying to make a comeback once again. But again, these are the high-profile ones. Then you have your medium-profile ones. That's kind of like your cable personalities, uh, lower-level comedians, let's say, political pundits. Especially, I mean, your, your typical example is your Fox News group, you know, people like uh, Bill O'Reilly. Again, sexual harassment-related allegations, loses his job, goes and does his thing on the side. I don't know if he's working on the internet or something like that, but he's no longer, you know, a profile person. Matt Lauer, you know, granted, he's he was a more of a higher uh, profile individual. Same thing, lost his job, sexual harassment related allegations. But you also have, and a lot of this is usually political related, your so-called, I, I don't know if you can, they're really entertainers, really. You can't really throw them in the journalism category. People like uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, uh, Glenn Beck, and Coulter, you know, and these are definitely individuals that are on one particular wing of the political spectrum, and they're out, out on the tip of it. But they're not really hiding much about it in terms of, again, compared to your your more mainstream journalist or political people. It's kind of like practicing medicine without a license. They are political pundits, but they're not politicians. So they can just kind of give all this opinion. Uh, now, granted, a lot of that opinion is super laced on certain beliefs. Uh, a lot of them are racist beliefs and sexist beliefs and that sort of thing. But that amongst their group, amongst the people that enjoy that, that is a norm. That is acceptable. That has always been okay within their range. And whenever they say something really outrageous that kind of makes the headlines, you know, for the rest of the people that are not necessarily in their camp, you know, all of a sudden the eyebrows go up. It's like, what the hell did they just say? And most times they don't have to really answer to anyone because they're either working for themselves and they're only patrolling themselves or they are working for a channel that doesn't mind that sort of thing. They kind of look at it as, oh, he's just, you know, boys will be boys and that kind of thing. And it's just, a, you know, one upset individual, you know, you can't, it's another opinion, you know, all those false equivalencies that are so trendy these days. But even within those bounds, sometimes these guys get canned. Limbaugh, for example, I think ended up, he ended up, I think he got in trouble for drug abuse, for buying drugs or something having to do with Oxycontin or something. I don't know. Beck lost his job, I think, because he was a little too extreme for even Fox uh, at, at the time. I think he was kind of like an end of the world kind of guy. I don't know what kind of song he's singing these days. Alex Jones, I think same thing. He's starting to lose sponsors and mediums where he can show his particular 
form of uh, entertainment due to the content of his uh, particular uh, conspiracy theory nuttiness that goes around him. But again, when we're dealing with these particular people, they're not really hiding it. To, I mean, they're hiding it to a certain extent, but they're preaching to the choir. They're not preaching to the general audience because the general audience doesn't want to hear them. They're preaching to that small percentage that buys and basically eats up anything they say. Anything could happen to these people and they're still... You know, this happens with politicians all the time. You can have politicians, and I mean, we have no better example than what's happening these days. But politicians that do certain things and people just kind of stick with them no matter what. Uh, Politicians that tell you they can just do whatever they want and you're still going to vote for me and people do it. You know, you always have that percentage. So they're kind of an offshoot of what I would consider to be the medium profile media. Now, in this particular case, one example I would throw in there, which is a personal example of mine, is somebody that I used to listen to, and that is Adam Carolla. He's more of the comedy side of medium profile individuals. And I might have mentioned this uh, once before. I absolutely loved his comedy. He's a very bright, smart guy. He can compose, he can construct a comedic story uh, like the best of them. But the thing about Carolla is that You know, I I can almost compare him in a way to Howard Stern. Uh, I used to listen to Howard Stern. Uh, I stopped listening, uh, not because I didn't like him anymore, but because I didn't have access to him anymore. I think that's around the time maybe where he left the radio and he went to satellite and I just wasn't going to pay money for that. The thing about Howard was that he basically gave you a character that was himself. He really didn't pretend to be anybody else. Everything about his life, just about everything about his life, was part of his show. The way, you know, he he acted like a sex-crazed teenager, which is what he pretty much was and is. The private events of his personal life, his marriage, uh, were part of the show. And in a way, that's kind of what destroyed his marriage eventually. His wife got fed up with him talking about all these personal things on air. And eventually, he ended up splitting up. He then basically ended up doing exactly what he always wanted to do, find a model and live kind of like a rock star lifestyle, you know, multi-million dollar rock star lifestyle, which is, you know, great, good for good for Howard, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, I guess. But things kind of were a little weird and kind of started, I don't want to say falling apart, but I think he probably lost a, a percentage of his audience because after he made his film Private Parts which is basically a love letter to his wife, more or less. And it showed about how, in spite of all these things, he still has a good marriage and a good family. Guess what? It all fell apart. (laughs) It all kind of fell apart after that. However, he has never changed his tune. That's one of the interesting things about Howard, is that he's never changed his tune. He continues to be the same person. He continues to be raunchy and jokey and immature, you know, that kind of personality, but that's what he is. And a lot of people do compare uh, Corolla's style to Howard in terms of the the type of things he says. But the difference with with Corolla that I found after a while was that Corolla a lot of times kind of plays a character. And the character that he plays is a grumpy old man. And the grumpy old man says these crazy, ridiculous things that you could kind of say, oh, yes, just a grumpy old guy. Why is he acting like such a grumpy old guy? But the reality of his particular form of entertainment is that he's not. He's really projecting his personal views 
under the guise of just being grumpy old guy. But in reality, he's not. He's projecting exactly how he feels about things. And granted, you could say, well, you know, he had a very tough life uh, growing up and, and, and now he's kind of stable more or less emotionally. You could argue that or maybe you can't. But there's a reason for why he is that character of the years. He's gotten in trouble many, many times for sexist and racist remarks. And again, he... Because he's a comedian, he'll chalk it off as, well, that's comedy. You can't really fault me for being funny, for making a joke. But what I found with Corolla was that a lot of times, many times, most times maybe, he's not kidding. He is wrapping it around a package of a joke, but he's projecting his personal beliefs. Now, there have been times where he's talked about how if you are rich, you should be held less accountable to crimes. In other words, the more wealthy you are, in his view, the more you contribute financially to society, the more that you should have a, a break. You should get a break when it comes to, you know, sentencing for, for committing crimes. He specifically talked about, like, football players. He, he, he talks about, he's talked about in the past how, you know, these guys are they're almost like soldiers. They're so into their thing. And, and psychologically, it's such an overwhelming endeavor to be a football player and the physical strains and the psychological strains that, you know, they need to kind of release all this energy. And if they get a little rough or a little questionably uh, sexually abusive or physically abusive, you know, it should be kind of understood, which is kind of like, what? <laughs> You know, he, he does have this um, super, super admiration for sports and especially football. Granted, he's he's not a football player. You know, he's, he's kind of like a regular guy. He loves his – one of the few things that he loves about his upbringing was his involvement in like junior football leagues and that sort of thing. Because, you know, as he explains many, many times how much he hated his childhood, basically hated his parents. He came from a single mother – Home, uh, parents divorced. Uh, the mother was very liberal, uh, very hippy-dippy kind of out there liberal, which caused them to basically hate just about everything that came out of, you know, his mom, which I imagine that's probably what kind of turned him and, and molded him in the way that he is now. It's everything is the opposite. So in terms of any liberal kind of things, he's completely, you know, turned off by it, doesn't have any patience or interest in it. You know, he lives in California, which is a very uh, Hispanic area in terms of Mexican population. So he's very, very uh, unhappy with that. A at times he seems to... Um, not understand how people could be poor and act a certain way. So what's also ironic is that him having these very conservative beliefs or points of view, at the same time, he's a devout atheist. And, you know, he doesn't have a problem with legalization of pot. He does obviously has no problems with the kind of language he uses. And he lives and works in an industry that is basically reviled, you know, by right-wingers. I guess he's more of a libertarian, you know. He kind of wants to have his cake and eat it too. He likes to take certain social, racial, sexual uh, components of conservative beliefs, but he likes to kind of pick away at other uh, beliefs from 
you know, the opposite end of the aisle. Again, he wraps all this around comedy skits and comedic deliveries, which are very funny at times. But little by little, you know, I started to kind of realize that, no, this man is projecting his point of view of the world. And ironically, for different reasons, I start, I stopped listening to him at a point where he, he fired a, a co-host he had. And I just think the manner in which he fired her was kind of strange and kind of like, a, you know, my way or the highway without really getting to the point, kind of like not wanting to deal with an issue. So it was easier just to get rid of a person than to openly deal with that issue, whether it was a real issue or not. So it was kind of weird how that kind of thing ended. And it was around the time where I was moving to Florida and I was kind of losing track of shows because I was so busy. And, you know, that completely turned me off. Ironically, also, is that nowadays, if we look at the political structure we have now, the divisiveness, the unashamed racism, sexism that we have right now, it is exactly what I remember Corolla uh, would be advocating in a joking manner. So I'm not sure where he stands today. Uh, the very little tidbits I've seen or heard of him, he's pretty much exactly the same person he's always been. So I would imagine he must be in heaven right now in terms of the political structure. But that was a situation where, again, because of different reasons that I stopped listening, examining again his particular comedy and the accusations against him in terms of saying sexist things. I know he went on the, I think it was the Tonight Show once, and he made some kind of crack against a lesbian guest that they had, I think. And he made a crack that he was kind of like playing it like, no, that's not what I meant. I meant this. I meant that. But everybody kind of understood what he meant. But that's his shtick. His shtick is, I'm going to deliver a joke, but I'm going to jab you with my political point of view with my joke and then hide behind the facade of the joke. That is completely different. That is a completely different approach than just being funny. You know, it, it's just different. And and. and Again, here's a situation where you think you find somebody uh, that you can admire for a particular art, let's say, in his case, comedy. And then you realize, oh, man, all this time, you know, you know, he's been kind of not being the type of person I thought he was. Uh, so is it possible that you're mixing up the personal entertainer with the persona he portrays? Well, in this particular case, like I said, he is pur- purposely portraying a persona and hiding behind the comedy. So that was the end of that. Now, I know you're probably saying, this is a long story. Where are you going with this? Well, where I'm going with this is the low-profile genre stuff. Recently, in my Facebook feed, I noticed somebody posted a comment on somebody else's Facebook feed having to do with not doing interviews because he always gets burned, you know, a, a, a somewhat known individual not wanting to do interviews because he feels that he's always getting burned and a lot of these podcasters or, you know, small venue type of things, especially podcasts, they're not very good and they're just uh, not very well informed and this and that. And somebody was trying to convince him, no, oh, you, if, you, if you're talking about Star Wars, you know, the place to go, uh, you know, the people you have to talk to is Rebel Force Radio. They are the best Star Wars podcast around. Uh, you know, they, they know their stuff. They know exactly what's going on. They're not there to just yank your chain. And then somebody posted a reply saying, wait, he's like, no, don't go to those guys. Those guys are staffed by sexists who have been barred from Star Wars Celebration due to their terrible attitude. Now, 
the person that posted this is somebody who I also listen to his particular podcast. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, where is this coming from? Because yes, you kind of know that, you know, maybe behind the scenes, there is some competition, you know, between all these different podcasts, especially the, the, the top heavy hitters, the ones that get the most clicks, listeners and who have sponsors and who are able to do things. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I've never heard these guys kind of attacking each other before. So I started to do a little research. Now, Rail Force Radio is a show I've been listening to since its inception. And even before that, it used to be called Force.net. It even had different, at least one different host at the time. Now it's Jason and Jimmy. It used to be Jason and Pete. But, I, but I've been listening to it for quite a long time. And I really enjoy that show. And... You know, I, I've followed it for a long time and, and there have been periods where i kind of fallen out of it and then fallen back in. You know, I miss a few episodes, I kind of forget about it and then I come back in when usually a new movie comes, I want to hear their opinion on it because they're very knowledgeable. I mean, when it comes to the subject matter, they are super knowledgeable. These guys are, you know, top of the list of, of Star Wars fans. And for the most part, I'm going to say, for the most part, their show is very focused on the subject of Star Wars. You rarely, rarely get too much, if not any, personal insight as to how they feel about other things. But little by little, I started to kind of, every now and then, like a little red flag would go up and because something would be said, and then it would be kind of walked back and... and it, the subject would be changed, but somebody would say something and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. What was, you know, weird stuff like that. Well, one of the things that apparently has been documented lately uh, within the last three months, and this is around the time where I posted my previous, I think, show having to do with toxic fandom. This was around the time of the uh, uh, Marie Tran um, exiting Twitter because of harassment and blah, blah, blah. But apparently around this time... On the show, they had made a couple of comments, uh, not only about her situation, but other situations going on. Around this time, there was also some other Star Wars personality, not a film person or a television person, but more like an internet person. One of the people that hosts their internet show, the Star Wars official internet show, whatever that is called, I forget right now. And they're also the hosts of uh, many, many of the um, celebration uh, internet shows that they do, you know, whenever they have a celebration take place and they stream the shows, this person, this this lady was one of the many hosts involved in that. Well, apparently there was some kind of debacle where she ended up also going online and, and talking about uh, people that were starting to harass her because of certain things that they had posted about her and she got all kind of bent out of shape about it. And, you know, the internet trolls were starting to harass her about it. Well, it would appears that a lot of these trolls were kind of urged on to do that sort of thing. A lot of them came from the forums of Rebel Force Radio, apparently. They even posted a picture of her with a mug saying, like, fanboy tears on it, which kind of incited more blowback in her direction. But this is something that was from a few years ago. So it was kind of like something that was posted just to enrage the that particular community and it wasn't even posted by her. It was posted by them. And because what was happening at the time, again, was that there was a lot of also criticism of some of the writers and how the writers were projecting their anger towards the fans, allegedly, or how it was portrayed, and how the show 
on behalf of the show, was demanding that Lucasfilm do something about this. However, around this time, apparently, through their Patreon show, for those of you who don't know, uh, a lot of these podcasts or, or different groups, uh, what, what they have is, you know, your, your usual free show is your free show, your main body of work, your podcast. But then, in order to, you know, make some money to generate some revenue for the show, what they offer is a Patreon uh, subscription where they give you access to bonus material. Now, the bonus material could be considered, you know, stuff that was edited out of the show, or in this particular case, I believe it's just completely original bonus material where they can kind of let their hair down and let their true feelings out in a, in a, in a tighter, smaller group. And that's when things kind of, in my opinion, go a little bit off the rails. I have here two clips from one of, again, from what I understand, it's a patron show. Some people uh, on, on this Twitter feed are saying that, no, they actually heard it on the regular show. I don't remember hearing it on the regular show. However, they have been accused, <laughs> apparently at times, of re-editing their edited shows in order to remove any controversial material. But this seems to be leaning more towards Patreon because of the fact that they use very saucy language, if you will. Uh, you know, they drop a couple of uh, F-bombs and uh, S-bombs here or there. Uh, and that's something that you never, never hear in the normal show. So that leads me to believe that this is the Patreon might be the, the right venue for where this originated somewhere around this time. So let's listen to uh, these two clips I have that were posted just for reference. And I'm going to post uh, a lot of these sources, you know, on the show notes. This was posted on Brian Young's Twitter feed, uh, Brian Young at Swank Morton. If you do a Google search, you know, for RFR controversy or many of the subjects that we talked about today, you'll find a lot of this stuff, but I'm going to post all of them. So let's listen to this first sound clip. Why, why do people have to struggle so hard to bring in all the old EU stuff when nobody ever tries doing that with the old Marvel stuff from the 70s and 80s? Because that stuff was awful. It wasn't. It was actually good stuff in there. There was some silly shit because it was the 70s and 80s. But, I mean, <laughs> if you ask me, the stuff that they present in those comics are much more plausible than some of the garbage they got going in these comics. Well, you're, you're probably right. Giving Dr. Afra her own ongoing title. It's not even a miniseries. It's her well, it's own. It's because she's ongoing. a woman. It's because she's a woman female character. That's, you know what? Boom. They're falling exactly over themselves. Right. Exactly right. You're exactly right. It's, it's yes. a goofy girl in space with a knockoff 3PO and R2. Paint them black and call them evil. Let's, let's uh, find out what happens when all of these comic book series all feature women and the sales just plummet. Because you know what? Chicks that dig comic books and stuff like that, yes, they exist, but they are the minority, the minority in the community of genre entertainment. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't have a voice, they shouldn't be represented, but we always go so overboard to please these people. You mark my words. They will do this. They will overcompensate, and guess what will happen? All of a sudden, the boys will stop buying it. What happens when the boys stop buying it? There's not enough chicks to keep the whole industry afloat. All right. Well, let me uh, review a couple of points made here. Uh, they're talking about the Dr. Afra series. Uh, it's a series I've never read. I mean, I don't read many comic books, but I was aware that there was such a thing as Dr. Afra. And to tell you the truth, up until a week ago, I did not know that it was a female character. I, had, I was that uh, detached from it. 
their point is that because of the lack of women involved in comic books, that it is an overreaction to introduce a lead female character in a comic book and to promote it. You know, they're saying it's an overreaction. Uh, now, granted, as far as Star Wars is concerned, I can only think of one, and that's Leia. I believe they made a Leia line of comics. And this is probably the, the second one I've ever heard of. And it's from a character that's completely original. It's not even an original character. So I don't understand how it is perceived by them as some kind of a weird reaction to appease women and that sort of thing. Let's continue listening. There's not enough chicks to keep the whole industry afloat. We need more women game developers. Here's the dirty little secret. Most women aren't into that stuff. It's like, well, do we need more male stewardesses? Do we need ma more male nurses? When does do the more, 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 more male thing, secretaries? And when does the more, more, more thing stop? I mean, statistically speaking, when I mean, when it's perfectly 50-50, is that when it's going to stop? I don't think so. I think they'll keep driving until it's 100% and we're completely wiped out. No guys. Well, and why, why would you want guys? Because we're all predators. We're either molesting children or raping women. That's what white males do. Listen, grabbing a woman by the pussy is not raping her. That's the worst Trump <laughs> Who am I doing? That's not Trump. <laughs> okay. So um, there you have a little more examples of what they're saying that this could lead to. In other words, the more you give women this representation, the more that you're taken away from men. Uh, in other words, the more you're inclusive you are, you're not just making the whole pie bigger. You're just taking away from the existing pie. That's their theory. Now, to the extent, you know, they go uh, to make it sound as if this is what's going to lead to having no men around, that you are in the process uh, eliminating the male voice or the male audience from any of this because you are introducing this female line. For the comic books and for anything else, I'm assuming, again, assumptions here, that they're projecting any current advancement, if you will, of including women, whether it's a Star Wars film, a Star Wars comic, a TV show, whatever. They're seeing this as something that's bad because it is taken away from their slice of the pie. It's funny how they, even they recognize that themselves, he's, Jimmy Max starts to doing his Trump impression there. Which he's kind of, it's funny because like I said, he, it's almost like he's recognizing what he's sounding like and he's sounding exactly like what he feels. With Jason, I understand it a little more and, and I'll, I'll explain that a little later. Uh, let me play the, the, the second full clip here uh, that I have. Frankly, I, I just don't, I don't care if anybody knows. This is, this, I'm just saying, it's not like, you know, people go, you know what? It'd be kind of cool, you know, to have a, to have a girl hero once in a while. I totally am down with that. I think that's great. But this, like, insane overcompensation where it's like, you know, we really need to get rid of all of the, 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 the male leads in these movies. And they all need to be females. And they all – it's so out of proportion. Well, it's it's just a trend. It's a it trend. is a trend. It's a trend, right? It's, a, it's just the, the voice of the social justice. It's the social so justice crowd, yeah. And it, Let me pause that for a second. Again, the, the, the issue of diversity and inclusion – they see it as a trend. 
I guess you could, I mean, to their way of thinking, I guess you could kind of think, yeah, you know, when you inter- you know, when you allowed blacks to uh, start acting on television and movies and sports, it was just a trend. It was some way. It was a way of peppering, you know, the 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 look of things. And he and Jason even says, you know, it's okay to have them here and there, you know, to 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 kind of put them in the background, give them a little, give them a little taste, you know, give them a little something, uh, but not fully, you know, uh, on an equal standing because. Again, from these clips, I'm hearing that there is no equal standing. Equal standing means the destruction, the annihilation, the white male equivalent of this, of them, you know, of, of, of their point of view. Let's continue. And they just talk to themselves all day long. And they, talk, yeah, they do. They, they talk to themselves. They argue amongst themselves. And as a result, nothing gets done. Right. And then they realize, oh, my God, there's a whole lot of people that live between New York and Los Angeles. Yeah, and right. They don't yeah. Believe, and they don't agree with any of my horse shit. Uh-huh. All right. A couple of key phrases being used here. Social justice warrior. Again, that's uh, I don't want to call it a dog whistle, but that's uh, a typical, you know, right wingy kind of description of anybody that is concerned with social issues. In other words, if you're worried about somebody not being represented, oh, you're just uh, worried about this, you're worried about that group, you're bleeding heart this, bleeding heart, you know, that kind of thing. That's what they're saying. And the fact that, uh, again, Jason mentions the whole thing about East Coast, West Coast, and us in between. Again, that is another kind of rallying cry of, 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 of right-wing politics, of how everything is determined, you know, by the uh, East Coast and the West Coast, New York and California, and everybody in the middle don't count. Again, you know, I'm not saying they're going full Alex Jones or Rush Limbaugh, but they're teetering on that territory. They're, they're starting to step over that line. And for Jason, I, I hate to say this, but I kind of expected that. I always suspected uh, that he was on the right side of the fence, which there's nothing wrong with being on the right side of the fence. It's just how far on the right you are. Uh, nowadays, it's just extremes we're dealing with. And uh, people do feel, and I mentioned this before, they feel very, very extremely comfortable these days to show their hand, uh, their political hand, to the extent that in the past they would be ashamed I think, of their views, and they would kind of keep it to themselves, and they kind of keep it behind closed doors or amongst groups that were like-minded. But now, people have been emboldened that no matter how extreme your view is, no matter how sexist, racist, anti-LGTB, misogynist, you name it, that that is now officially just another point of view. And, you know, I'm sorry, but in, in, in my perceived world, <laughs> that doesn't fly. You can make an argument, you know, you can have a discussion, you can, you can, you can um, debate a subject. But when, when, when you start off with one person is not as equal as the other, or this person should be a little more represented than another person, that's when you kind of start to lose credibility in my book. You know, if you give this person a little more attention that you normally are used to giving them, that means you're ignoring the people that have gotten 
you know, 90% of the attention or 90% of the inclusion. That doesn't work for me. Now, let me go back here because it's very easy to kind of look at what I've been saying and analyze it and say, well, you're just a hater. You just you just don't like these guys. You're jealous of them. You wish you were them. You just – look at your podcast. You got – what do you got? 30, 40 viewers, sometimes 60 if you're lucky. You know, I, I've explained this to people before. I've explained this to actually uh, previous contributors who, who would want me to become more active in, in marketing the show and that whole thing. This show, whether I get one viewer – or a thousand viewers or a million viewers, it's the same for me. I cannot go overboard in how much time and devotion I can put into it because I have a limited amount of time. This is not my full-time gig, this podcast. This is a hobby. I have been a huge fan of Rebel Force Radio and like I said before, Forcecast and I listen to Star Wars Action News and I listen to the Chivecast. And I used to listen to so many other things, but there's just not enough time. And when it comes to Star Wars, that's where I kind of narrow my focus. I bounce between those two. Now, I know, because he's mentioned it in the past, Jason is a huge Rush Limbaugh fan. And that's something that I kind of kept in the back of my mind because it was like, wow, you love Rush Limbaugh, but you also love Star Wars. You know, how does that work? You know, Star Wars is not about... The good guys are not the right-wingers. The good guys are the left-wingers. The bad guys are the oppressive, you know, um, fascist, pseudo-Nazis. And to have somebody, in my opinion, as extreme as a Rush Limbaugh, how do you, how do you account for those two opposite, you know, kind of things? And it is true, because they even mentioned it in one of their shows, that Star Wars appeals to everybody. And that's the trick of filmmaking. If No matter how good of a filmmaker you are, how, no matter how strong beliefs you hold as a filmmaker, if you can manage to appeal to everybody, you just struck gold. And that's exactly what Lucas did. But Lucas always made it very clear what his political leanings were, what the inspiration for the political situation of Star Wars was. Same thing for the prequels. He laid it all out right there for everyone to see. And I imagine it must be very difficult for somebody who has the opposite political beliefs to kind of retcon the purpose of the story with their own personal beliefs. You know, Lucas's beliefs, I think, again, him being a liberal kind of guy, is about inclusion. It's about including more people, representing more people, less war, <laughs> More peace, that kind of stuff. You know, he, he was very clear in, in, in telling people that the inspiration for the empire is basically the, the Nixon White House, the, the whole Watergate controversy, you know, all those things that happened around that time, you know, how, the, how younger people, you know, the hippie generation and even beyond uh, felt about right-wing governments. I mean, Nixon was the poster boy for that sort of thing. And granted, in the movie, he went even beyond an Exonian type of bad guy, but, you know, somebody who's now teetering into fascism, Nazism, and that sort of thing in the portrayal of the empire, you know, the uniforms and the whole stormtroopers. You know, I mean, come on, it's, you're, they're beating you over the head with this. So that's no mystery. And, and again, for, for, I always wondered with Jason is like, 
wow, that it must be tough to, to, to be able to balance how much you love Star Wars, which I, I, I honestly think he does love it. I don't doubt that one minute. But it's almost kind of like you have to go through this tunnel to love Star Wars, and then you go on this tunnel and you come out with your own political opinions. Those two are never connected. Those two will never be connected. So you have to... Uh, you know, kind of like compartmentalize your thoughts and your beliefs because those two are never going to jive together. So you have to separate. And as I used to listen to the show in the past, every now and then I would notice there was little slips here or there where Jason would kind of go on this little bit of a rant and it was kind of like a little bit of a Rush Limbaugh kind of rant. I've, I've listened to Rush a long time ago, I think back in the 90s, and not so much for the politics, for, for, but for the entertainment. I was fascinating how this guy could hold an audience in there in his hand and tell these stories you know he's a good storyteller in terms of crafting the story but then the vial basically that you get from his political views it just they just wipe you out uh, and i was like whoa enough for this you know i couldn't even go in that direction but on the other hand i always kind of saw jimmy Jimmy Mack, as the um, the counterbalance to that in other words he would kind of bring him back on on topic, he would kind of putting back on if, if 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 Jason ever kind of got off the rails, Jimmy would kind of bring him back on the rails. But I never thought that he had those same points of view, and that's the thing about this patron thing is that it allows them to kind of let it all hang out there, let it all hang there, and kind of air their thoughts unfiltered. So once again, you know. <laughs> I'm not a hater. I'm not telling you what to do, whether to listen to them or not listen to them. I mean, I, I, some of these things I'm, I'm reading here, people are back in July when all, this whole thing apparently exploded, which was around the time when I kind of started listening to them again. And they had this whole episode where they were, it wasn't really an apology episode, but an explanation of what just happened. But they weren't very clear as to what it was that triggered a lot of this. You have to kind of do your own homework and dig them up, and I'm going to include this. Around this time, there's also a couple of articles that were published on some other fan websites. The Mary Sue, for example, themarysue.com did a whole article about uh, called Star Wars fans now going after Lucasfilm employees, but there's hope for fandom yet. I will post a link to that article. And there's another article on the thedailydot.com also around this time, called Star Wars Backlash is the New Gamergate. And it's another article that goes over a lot of this information, including the whole Chuck Wendig uh, debacle with Jimmy Mack and where they kind of started going after each other. Uh, but they do actually talk about this in the show. Again, I keep repeating this. Uh, I'm a fan. I've loved their show for all this time. I've attended events where they've been there. I went to Celebration, and they were hosting Celebration. They were the hosts of a whole bunch of stages and uh, events. Uh, I, I attended a ton of them. I've gone on some fan meetups uh, here in Florida uh, where they visited the Hollywood Studios and and. A whole bunch of people, fans of the show, got to hang out together. And I also attended, I believe, let me think for a minute, it was some kind of a... They were recording a show at a hotel, I think it was. And all the fans were able to, you know, it was a paid event, I believe. And all the fans were able to go there and then listen to the show and then, you know, say hi to them and meet them and that sort of thing. So I am definitely not somebody who, uh, who uh, just heard of them and is now trying to troll them. No. I'm trying to kind of make sense of all this. And 
this situation to me seems to kind of fall under these examples I gave you before. The example of the Adam Carolla show, for example, something that I absolutely loved. And then I realized that there was something under the muck. There was something beneath the surface that might be kind of ugly. It was the example I gave you about some of my friends who we've had so many things in common and we had so much good times together. But then their political and social beliefs start to creep in to our genre material. And I don't like what I see there. I just don't like it. And uh, as I mentioned before, with, with, with some of these friends, I would say with, with most of these friends, I either remained friends and try not to get into that subject or for other reasons, stop talking to some of these people and luckily did not have to use this as an excuse or this as one of the reasons why they were kind of starting to turn me off in terms of we are not alike. We have things in common, but there are other things that are just just a little ugh, not there. So for you, I kind of throw this back at the audience and that is this might not be the episode you probably were expecting and I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, that's for you to decide. If you happen to be fans of the show, do a little research, figure out what you're dealing with. If you can put up with it, maybe it'll work for you. If this is too much, maybe you have to stop. Maybe five years ago, you can put up with it. Maybe today, because of all political climate. And again, I'm going to say it. I'm, you know, there's no mystery here. I, this, I, I'm not pretending to be somebody I'm not. I'm not giving you a show where I pretend to be something I'm not. I, I try to stick to the subject. The subject is the genre material and how good we love our Star Wars, our Star Treks, everything. We go up and down the list. However, unfortunately, politics has finally reached this subject. Star Wars, out of all sacred things in the world, Star Wars has now been tainted by political beliefs and that sort of thing. You have to decide what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And, and I have to, to tell the truth, I have to decide what to do because I absolutely love the show. I love listening to these guys. But there are those times, yeah, where I'm like, oh, they're going there, aren't they? Oh, he just said that. Oh, I can't believe he said that. That must. It's like, oh, yep, it must have been, it must have been Jason. You know, you know, he's a big Limbaugh fan. He, he, I know he just, he just went there, and it's, it's tough. It's just a, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to have to process. Furthermore, another fact is that I think it was around this time also where. When they started kind of needling Lucasfilm for action having to do with some of the writers, I believe around this time, also when they this whole Gutierrez, the, the, the host of StarWars.com uh, show, uh, when she was being harassed and the trans Marie, I forget her last name, uh, she was being harassed uh, on Twitter, when everything just exploded with these stories and these sound clips that I'm playing for you guys right now, Lucasfilm removed Rebel Force Radio from their list of suggested recommended podcasts. Also around that time, or even before that already, all of a sudden their access to uh, important guests started to kind of dry out. I don't want to call it a boycott or, or, or a blackout, but they got they went very, very dry. I don't know if that was a Disney thing or it has something to do with what's happening here. 
And there are reports also out there that because of all this, they are not allowed to be hosts anymore at celebrations, at future celebrations, which is something I noticed. I'm like, well, what happened last time? Where were they? They were there before. They were, you know, what 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 happened? But yeah, that that happened too. So I don't think it's coincidence that um, they. I have a feeling they. Because of what's happening, because of what's happened, because of what they've said, because of what they've done, whether they've done it directly or they incited people to do it, all this Twitter hate mail and stuff like that. I think Lucasfilm or Disney or both of them, they decided to kind of put the brakes on them. They also then went and deleted their Twitter feed uh, around that time because they didn't want people reposting some of the stuff that was happening. So they were trying to kind of clean things up. Some people have also alleged that they have re-edited some of their shows to remove what could be considered offensive comments and that sort of thing. I don't know what else is happening on the Patreon page, uh, on the Patreon feed, because I've never subscribed to it. I've, I've gotten this on the internet. And as far as I know, no one's denying that that's them. It's them. It's their voices. It's their show. It's their thing, you know. But what's interesting is that there apparently was a history of this. There have been some postings about things that were said in the past one, two years ago, let's say, where they have said some insulting stuff, some of it having to do with women and this and that, which, you know, you can kind of see, well, maybe there, there's a pattern here. This is the, again, it's the politics seeping through. And again, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to be my own conspiracy theorist here, but all of this has intensified like crazy within the last two years. And, you know, I suspect it's our current administration. The behavior that our president has shown during the – before the election, the behavior he's shown against his own party competitors and then against his Democratic competitor and the behavior he shows now and all that stuff has emboldened people – where in the past they would not have said certain things. They would have kept their mouth shut. Keep those hateful thoughts to yourself. Some people might be embarrassed about them. They don't want to repeat them. Some people are proud and they're just waiting for an excuse to somebody to give them the right to say it and give them the permission to say it. And hey, it's the new whatever. Just like all of a sudden, you know, you get more representation for women, African-Americans, Hispanics, whatever. There are people who do consider white male Americans to be a minority and they need protection, just like everybody else who is a legitimate minority needs protection. Forgetting the fact that they are, you know, as far as entertainment goes, being represented at least 90% of the time. But the second you start to introduce new people, of different cultures, of different sects, of different sexual orientations, of different countries, you name it, different races, it's a threat. It's a threat and they're being threatened and they cannot handle new things because a new thing means they're going to take away my thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really sad that there are people that, you know, believe that. So I'm going to wrap it up here. And uh, like I said, I'm going to post all these links uh, so you guys can do your own soul searching and figuring out. I don't know how many of you are into Real Force Radio. Maybe some of you have never heard of it before. From, you know, when I was reading those uh, Twitter uh, postings, as people reacting to those two sound bites, some of them were like, who are these guys? I've never heard of them before. I can't believe they're saying this. And some of them were like, oh my God, I've been listening for, you know, 10 years and I, I, I cannot believe they're saying these things. I don't know. As far as I can tell, they've never 
admitted or explained or anything having to do with that. They've kind of they kind of try to provide some kind of an explanation, but in their explanation, they are the victims in the story. The script is written so that they are the ones that are being attacked. They are the ones that are being misunderstood. But half of the things I just played for you and mentioned, they're not even addressed. Uh, like I said before, even as far as 2016, there were apparently other incidents where there was a press conference, I think, for Rogue One. And Kathleen Kennedy was there and somebody asked her a question having to do with having more female representation. I don't know, female directors or something. And she answered the question, you know. Was, but they kind of jumped all over that person as commentators, Jimmy and uh, Jason, about why, well, you know, having to do with why, why, what's with all this, uh, you know, female representation. Why, how could you ask that question? How dare you? You know, that kind of stuff. It was, again, it was weird. You can you can go back and, and dig it up. Again, I'm going to include a, a podcast link to a show that did a dissection of those questions. Uh, so you guys can kind of dig into it. But anyway, I keep repeating myself, but I'm going to wrap it up here. Not going to tell you what to do. I haven't decided myself what to do. Will I stop listening to them? Can I just ignore them and kind of say, all right, I have to separate the artist from the person. The person might be somebody I completely dislike because of their beliefs, but I have to just follow the artist. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I honestly don't. I'd like to thank you guys for listening today. This was a very difficult show to put together. Those of you who lasted the entire <laughs> length of the show, unfortunately, this is not exactly the type of subject matter that I normally have to deal with. I would rather be doing the type of stuff we do here 99% of the time, and that is genre material, you know, all the kinds of crazy toy-related film, movie, horror, sci-fi-related stuff that we all love. But unfortunately, we needed to kind of address this. This is something that I had completely was unaware of that was happening behind the scenes. And because it is a kind of like a low-level type of thing, it kind of flew a little bit under the radar as far as I'm concerned. I didn't, I didn't dig deep when it first happened. And then recently when I started digging, I was like, oh man, this is just bad. So once again, if you happen to gone all the way to the end of the show, not only do you have some decisions to make concerning what kind of shows you listen to, you've gotten some information that you might want to research on your own and then make a decision as to what you want to do next. If you have been offended by my coverage of this, if your feelings have gotten hurt, if you figured out, uh, you know, that I am uh, on the opposite side of the fence when it comes to your particular beliefs. I'm sorry about that, but I could not just ignore this particular subject and continue moving forward without having to shed some light into these events. So I promise you by next week, we'll get back to some regular scheduled programming. In the meantime, thanks for listening and we will see you here soon at GeekFest France. Bye-bye, everybody. Yes, Jedi's strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the Force are they. Easily they flow. Quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you at will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader... Is the dark side stronger? No. 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 Quicker. Busier, more seductive. But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace, 
massive. Mm. A Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense. Never for attack. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2018. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>